Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters. I come to you, a humble servant of the universe. I come to you asking for forgiveness and understanding. I come to you asking for support. I I am ashamed of myself. I recorded a podcast. I set up my video camera. My first full day back in New York City after a week in Las Vegas. And my heart was so full, so full of things to talk about. And of course, I smoked before I hit record and I went on into this podcast. I mean, whoo, I entertained myself thoroughly and I was so excited. Like, yes, I'm back on track. I have this podcast. I got the video. I'm going to chop it up. I'm going to have it out on time this week on the Wednesday of the Wednesday on a Wednesday. and I. Stop recording on both devices, patted myself on the back. Then I went to play it back and I fucked up. I fucked up. Uh, the video frame was all fucked up. The lighting was off. Um, no, like the light was on, but I, I needed more light because that's the problem with 4K cameras is like either it looks crystal clear, like you can see the nose hairs in my nostrils or it looks grainy like a 1989 VHS tape that your daddy taped over for the NBA finals. So that was screw up number one. And I said, you know what? I I could fix that. I could fix that. And final cut, I can, I could work some magic. It's not a big deal. Let me go listen to the audio. Tell me why. Tell me why did I not have my microphone on? So the whole time in the video, microphone to my face, baby, to my face. And that shit was not on. So I was going to try and re-record it. But, you know, when that when that ganja's in the system, ain't no telling. And it's funny that I'm quoting Jay-Z because you're here in this podcast. And I just thought to myself, you know what? You guys will understand that it does. It sounds like I'm in a tuna can with Jessica Simpson at the bottom of the sea looking at chickens. Hopefully you understand. I I mean, it won't happen again. It won't happen again. Forgive me. Thank you for understanding. Peace and blessings unto you and yours. P.S. The video will not be coming out for obvious reasons. Stay blessed. You're listening to Social Misfit. What's going on, Misfits? I am back on the east side, Brooklyn, New York, coming to you live from my dining room slash workspace area. Uh, Now that you are watching me, hopefully you are watching me, um, please don't make this little bit of lipstick I put on be in vain. And you can see that I am in my house. So, um, again, I started videotaping my, my misfit moments and posting them on YouTube on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com backslash Chloe Hilliard. I'm laughing to myself because my good friend Brooke, she has a five-year-old son and he was taking like videos of himself around the house. And every time he would finish a video, he'd be like, like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe. So that just made me think of him. So yeah, go to my YouTube channel and like and subscribe. Um, 
I had to get on the mic today because I'm back in New York City and I told myself after a week in Las Vegas, I was going to come back with the vigor and the venom and I'm going to get up every day and be very productive and get my life back on track. And so far today, I woke up at 9.45 a.m. No, it might have been 9.30. Yeah, like 9.30 a.m., which is early because I'm coming back from like Vegas time. And I worked out. I did my cardio. I walked my dog. I took a shower. I put some conditioner in my hair. I didn't put any lotion on at all. Normally, I actually don't really put lotion on. Like if I'm at home, I don't put lotion on. If I'm going out into the world and my skin is showing, of course, I'm going to put lotion on. But I didn't put lotion on today because in Vegas, the water is trash in Vegas. And you get out of there. If you get out of the shower in Vegas in like two minutes time, the, the dry air plus that harsh, harsh water, because nobody's supposed to be living in Vegas because it's legit a desert. You end up looking like SpongeBob whenever he got out of the water. Do you remember? All of those like, oh, I love SpongeBob. Anyway, um, so I'm just chilling until I have to go do, I have to go take my dog Winnie to the doctor. She's going to the eye doctor today because she has a little touch of uh, glaucoma when I took her to the vet. And now one of her other, the other eye, not the glaucoma eye, but the other eye. No, no, not glaucoma. Sorry, cataract. She's starting to get cataracts. And so the non-cataract eye has some its own problem. Let me tell you something. When you have a pet, this is this is the stuff they don't tell you about. Unless you just like, you know, one of those people that keep your dog outside all the time, don't ever bring it in and you treat it like a, a terrorist when they try to come inside, even when it's raining and snowing or hot as hell. Like, get your ass back out there. You know you don't belong on the inside. Your life is the outside. This is what you're supposed to be. You are outside dog. You don't never come inside. I don't even tell people I got a dog. If you was a kid, they would have called ACS on me already. I hate those type of people. But I love my dog dearly, and she's everything and more. She's snoring right now, if you can hear her. She's always snoring. And she is 10 years old. She's Yeah, she's almost 10 years old. Her birthday is in a couple days, like in September. I don't know. I'm a bad dog mom. I don't know when her birthday is, but it's either September 6th or 9th, one of those two, and she's 10. But yeah, so that's all what I've done today. Then I have a TV taping tonight. This is the last week of this week at the Comedy Cellar. So I have to figure out what topics of the week I'm going to talk about, which which is actually where this podcast helps because the last two um, episodes of, the, of this podcast, I've talked about things just organically and then I ended up using them as jokes. So if you go to my Instagram page, you see that I have a couple of clips of me at the Comedy Cellar. And one of them is about Natalie Portman. And I talked about Natalie Portman not not deserving to be Thor. And shout out to the one or two white queens who decided to come into my comments and make a comment about me um, body shaming and bringing up race. And I said, yeah. What, what else? You, what else? Okay, next. And I just like the comments. Anyway, so this week I wanted to talk about what boiled my guts. I mean, boiled me down to the fiber of my being. I mean, what irritated me and whatever DNA remnants of my ancestors who sacrificed this, their life for this country. Sabar, if you haven't, please go read New York Times 1619 Project. I think there are now full PDF files online, which is great. I mean, I'm all for people bootlegging stuff when it's for educational value. So go download that New York Times 
1619 history of Africans in America. I digress. Listen, y'all, it appears to be that Dame Dash is right. You know, though it pains me to say that, he was right. And we have a thing in this in this world where we tend to make the two the we have this thing in this world where we tend to make the truth teller look crazy. Even that crazy bitch that's running for president, Marianne Williamson or whatever, she's a looney tune, but she she was on point when she talked about reparations, right? And she was also on point when she talked about the energy being off in this country because we are formed on the backs of enslavement, murder, genocide. Like that is true. Energetically, America is 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 crazy. It's nuts. But She's also against vaccine and she, she wrote a book about diet and fat people and all this other stuff. So, but I'm just saying somewhere in there, she has valid points, but we're going to throw it all away. How do you say it? You're going to throw out the baby with the bath water because of other kooky situations. But two times already, Dane has been right. He was right about, um, Lee Daniels owed him money. Now, come on. When you first heard Dame say that Lee Daniels owed him like a couple million dollars, you was like, what? Or however much, like 300000 I don't know. He owed him a lot of money, like a lot of money for a person who won't have no money. Like I know people who have money be like, what's the difference? A million, 300000 That's not a big deal. But for the everyday average Popeye spicy chicken eating motherfuckers, 300000 is still a lot of money. So anyway... Dame said that Lee Daniels owed him money. And, you know, we're going off of just what we think Dame to be, which is like this group who stomps around and yells all the time and is always complaining about having been done wrong. And then you turn around and Lee Daniels was like, yeah, I owed him that money. He was like, oh, damn, 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 we sorry, damn, we sorry, damn, we sorry. And then now we see what Dane said is like, yo, Jay-Z was a corny ass dude who I put on and I gave him all his street smart and then he turned around and stabbed me in the back. And now we see that this is true because there's no way under our blue sky that Jay-Z should have compromised whatever integrity he had to get in bed with the NFL. Period. End of story. Okay. Even OJ Simpson was like, damn, that's kind of, that's kind of fucked up. You going to turn on your people like that? Like that, like that. So yes, Jay-Z is not at the top. And let me tell you something. I'm not, I'm not switching up. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, you know, I used to throw up my, my down, even know diamonds. I don't know shit about the, the, uh, African diaspora of Jay-Z. I don't know anything about him. I know about him. Like, culturally but i can't recite his songs i don't know his lyrics unless it's the songs that was like on the radio when he first was popping and we didn't have streaming services so you listen to the radio every single day shout out to hot 97 wbls and kiss fm because i'm new york city all day all day but other than that i don't know that man's discography not to mention i've never in my entire life bought a jay-z album I can't even name any of them except for Streets is Watching. Is that the first one? And Blueprint. Those are the only ones I could. And something volume one, two, and three. That's all I know. Let me tell you why I don't like Jay-Z. Any rapper whose name derives from another man's name is always 
corny. Always. You don't have your own identity. You come into the game taking somebody else's name. So if you don't know the history of Jay-Z, Jay-Z was the little like homeboy of this other rapper named Jazzo. And Jazzo took Jay-Z under his wing and taught him everything he knew. And when Jay-Z first started, he was rapping just like Jazzo, right? Hey, y'all, can I get open? You know it, okay? And rhyming real fast, real fast, wearing Hawaiian shirts and stuff. Let me tell you something. So that's how he came to the game. And then all of a sudden, he took that energy. He took everything that he could get from Jazzo. Then he got with Dame Dash. Dame Dash was a smart one, comes from a privileged family. He went to private school his whole life. So he was the numbers guy. He was like, listen, I see you over here. You're talented, but I'm going to get all of this business in shape. And then they formed like Voltron and Jay-Z did not reach back. He did not reach back to Marcy Project and bring up Jazzo, his mentor. He could have brought Jazzo up and say, hey, listen, I know you old and your rap style is a little outdated, but you could be an a and I'm going to bring you in here and you could be an A&R. You can help groom these young artists that I'm going to put on my Rockefeller label like you groomed me. He didn't do that. He just took that J and kept on running with it. Other rappers who've taken names from other people are corny as hell. Rick Ross. Rick Ross is from Miami. I get it. Everybody in Miami is big and bad. I get it. But he was a correctional officer. Let's not forget. And everybody was like, yeah, just so, just because he was a correctional officer don't mean he wasn't in these streets. I get it. Every correctional officer smuggles in new ports and guns and cell phones and they asshole. I get it. They all goons. I get it. But Rick Ross then decides to become a rapper and he takes a real gangster's name. The real Rick Ross. Freeway Rick Ross is a real person. And when Rick Ross came out of prison after serving mad time for drug trafficking, he was like, yo, I want my name. And he had to sue Rick Ross for his own name. And he lost. How the fuck you lose your own name in a court of law? That goes to show you America is, is just set up against the people, the working people. Because Rick Ross clearly had the money because he was rapping under Rick Ross talking about he moving so much weight moving so much weight and a man that actually was moving so much weight had to come and get a public defender to get his name back and he lost he lost another corny nigga rapper who stole his name 50 cent 50 cent stole his name from a real killer yeah and now he come out here talking about how he a goon. Yeah, he was a drug dealer in Queens and he got shot several times and he turned that into his rap career. And now he's a straight up grown ass troll on Instagram all day, every day. They're corny. He's a corny. Like, I just go like, it's just like women, you know, you know, when you're around a corny dude, you know, he's corny, but he's nice or he has money now. So you just let him like, you know, get further than he would if he wasn't just a regular corny dude. Like, I don't have no respect for those type of dudes. Also, when it comes to Jay-Z, when this man start calling himself Hova, short, short for short for Jehovah, and nobody better than I, uh-uh, the little Christian in me was like, uh-uh, this something don't feel right. I don't ever like it when people start calling themselves apostles or prophets. Like all of those people that be on TV asking for seed money because they feel like they so close to the Lord. Get out of my face. Okay. Get out of my face. God don't charge no Wi-Fi for prayers. 
There's no Wi-Fi for prayers. There's no password, no IP address. I can stop this podcast right now, look up to the heavens and say, dear Lord, can you bless me? I got some problems. I don't need no middleman for that. Why am I sending you money? Stop praying on people who have been indoctrinated to organize religion because now you want to use money from these hard-earned peoples because they pray for the Lord for everything. And they don't realize God is free. God is free. God is free. Do y'all understand that? God is free. He's free. He's everywhere, everywhere around us. Just speak up to the heavens or get on your knees and meditate. Close your eyes, close your hands, you know, write it in your book of intention. God is free. So when somebody comes along talking about they are the way, the path, get your heretic ass out of here. Okay. Skedaddle. So Jay-Z calling himself over, rub my spirit the wrong way. Mm-mm. And then the last, the last straw that, that just broke the camel's back for me personally was when he co-opted It's a Hard Knock Life from Little Orphan Annie. I loved Annie. Okay. I never saw it on Broadway when Sarah Jessica Parker was in it. Yes, she was a child actress, Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex in the City. I didn't see it when she was on Broadway, but I did see the television adaptation that aired on like NBC when I was a little kid in the eighties. And I think it may be early nineties. I don't know, but Carol Burnett was in it. And you know, I love me some Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. I'm saying this like such an old black person. Carol Burnett amazing comedic actress. So I watched it with that. I didn't see it when they remade it and it was Cameron Diaz and I and Jamie Foxx. I didn't see none of those other versions, but as my little heart, my little heart just uh, adored Orphan Annie and Hard Knock Life when they was in the orphanage, cleaning the stairs, all the soapy water. Oh my gosh. Just me. Yes. I identified. And then he took it and turned it into a rap song. And everybody was singing it's a hard knock life. And I was like, this is Annie. He stole Annie. And nobody cared. So now he out here stealing dreams and co-opting social justice movements. And people still being like, yeah, well, you know, he's smart. He a businessman. And I get it. But you can be a businessman and also give a damn about the, the movement. Like, really, you just gonna produce the show, the the showtime, I'm saying showtime. You gonna produce the Super Bowl halftime show? Like, that's what you're doing. That's, that's, I don't know. And now, this is what also annoyed me, and people don't know how to pay attention to details. People really don't know how to pay attention to details. So, when he had the press conference with the NFL, there was no mention of his plan, no bullet points. You just said, oh, you know, we've been in talks for several weeks or months now about how we can join forces or whatever and come on, blah, 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 whatever it is, whatever they announced it is. But not once in that meeting, that clip that's gone viral, when somebody asked him if he was kneeling or standing, he was like, oh, time for kneeling is over. Like, oh, elaborate on that. And, and what, what happened in America that now it, we're past the point of like bringing visible 
attention to an issue that's still plaguing America. Because I just watched a video yesterday of a 20-year-old who was stopped by the cops because a white woman called and said he was threatening looking and he was just crossing the street, legit crossing the street to get something to eat. And a woman called the cops and sat there, waited for the cops. And like six cops came and surrounded him. And they was like, well, well, maybe you shouldn't look so threatening. You you should be aware where you're walking. Like, And then a couple weeks ago, we was looking at video of two cops on a horse walking a black man down the street for trespassing. And they had like, you know, put him in cuffs and, and led him from ho- like, what? So what, what are you talking about? The time for kneeling is over. What are, you, what are you saying to me? Like, just because you're a billionaire or you're worth a billion dollars doesn't mean that you should be completely unaware of what's happening to black people and people of color in this country. So, no, the time for kneeling is not over. The time for kneeling, standing up and kicking somebody in their goddamn throat when they say, oh, the time for kneeling is over. That's I mean. I don't want to condone violence. I mean, and no violence is inevitable because in order for there be for there to be any monumental change in any any civilization from the dawn of time, it's always been as a resolution of violence. So people don't agree with you till they get their ass kicked. That's basically what it is. So now America it was founded on, you know, divide and conquer. So it's, we are not a, a kumbaya country. Which is interesting because like I don't want to. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent because I do want to get back to that point about Jay Z. In conclusion, Jay Z did not do justice, and because he never explained any bullet points of what his plan is now, his him and his team can see the backlash that they got, and they come up with this plan, this comprehensive plan. Like this was always the intention when it wasn't. Like they remember that time. When Donald Trump, ugh, I know, I shouldn't have said his name, but when he had a press conference, this was like early on in his presidency, and it was like a stack, stacks of like folders, all these papers being like, this is my plan for something, blah, blah, blah. Like, and then they, people in the audience, like journalists were like, can we see it? And they were like, no, 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 it's confidential. You can't see it. And they were like, it's just blank pages. It's blank pages and folders. They, they brought out blank pages in folders and stack them up high like this is some comprehensive plan to just get us to shut up and i think that's what this whole nfl jay-z thing is it's just like look, let's just give them something that looks like we're doing something and we'll figure out the details later and we'll even like carve the details out based on the things that people said that we should have been doing from day one so haha we got what we wanted and then we convinced you along the way so when it comes to jay-z i put this I put this up on one of my social media accounts, social misfit, how fitting that, you know, I, I strongly feel as though black people want to always compromise with people who don't have our best interests at heart and don't care about our, our well-being and our longevity and our sustainability and our independence in this country. And yet, and still we want to sit at their table when that table that they have monopolized was stolen from the get-go. So why are you trying to get somebody to humanize you who doesn't consider you to be human? They don't have, they don't see value in you yet. And still you're striving to be in their presence, in their presence of greatness. And I think that is one of the biggest downsides to the black community, which is even when you think about segregation and desegregation, I honestly believe that if the black community had said, listen, we just want equal services. We want equal financial footing. 
We want you to invest in our schools and our communities and our, you know, buildings the way you do to white neighborhoods. We want to have good mass transportation. Like, like if they had said just financially, you want to be equal, it would have been a better service for the black community because we were self-sufficient. We had black communities. We had business owners. We had ministers, preachers, doctors, lawyers, dentists. And then once you did, you know, desegregation, it just was like, well, let them have access to what we have. This is like the government and white communities being like, well, fine, they can come here, but we, we're going to stop putting money into it. We're going to leave. We're going to be white flight. And now you got what you got what they had, but now it's a leftover bummy ass table that's been abandoned, but you happy to be there. So there's so many other things I felt like Jay-Z could have lent his name and money to. And I don't know what his plan is, but I know that the optics are bad. And I know that we people of color have to stop striving to be at the table that was stolen. So seat at the stolen table. That's where I stand on that. And then I had a little diversion I was thinking about and I kind of came back on track. Yes, I smoked before I started this podcast. But there was another point that I wanted to raise about the whole Jay-Z thing. Let me think about it. Maybe that was the point I was trying to make. I don't know. Well, Jay-Z pissed me off. So I think we got that settled. Who else is pissing me off this week? Oh, I just wanted to give an explanation. If you ever went on my YouTube channel and you saw that I did this show called The World is Terrible, I only did like two or three episodes and I really did enjoy it, but I decided to stop doing that series because I didn't want to focus on how bad the actual world is. Like, yes, I do this podcast and I talk about things that, you know, irritate me and piss me off, but I don't want to purposely make that my intention every single episode. So there's things that I talk about that make me happy. So I don't, I didn't want to like focus and be, I started realizing that when you try to do a show the way I was doing it, where you have like B-roll and graphics and clips and headlines, things that I was pulling into it, that you have to actively sit on your computer and research that stuff. And then it consumes you and you start getting more and more frustrated and angry. And I just, I just wasn't leaving me in a good space. So yes, I did enjoy the concept and I do think that it was funny and it was really engaging. I, as the person who does everything from turn the camera on, charge the battery, rip the audio, edit everything, do the post and post it. I couldn't live in that space. So I think that's my thing to tell people. It's like, if something don't feel right, yeah, try it and see how you feel. But if it, it starts to like take away at who you are, then just, it's okay to walk away. What is, there was something else I wanted to, I just know I should have wrote notes. Oh, that's perfect. Um, next week, Thursday, the 29th of August, I will be headlining the Fat Black Pussycat which is a part of the Comedy Cellar Club. It's on West 3rd Street. Just go to ComedyCellar.com and you can see me do an hour. So full disclosure, you know, if you don't know, I'll let you know, but the people who've been rocking with me for a while know this, that I'm super independent. I do a lot of things myself. And I decided that this year I had to step it up a level and I will be, I have not told anybody this. I mean, my close friends, but I have not announced this anywhere. I will be recording my album this fall. It's looking like the end of October. So between now and then I will be running my hour crafting it, fine tuning it, figuring out what I want to put for my first full length entree into the comedy charts 
and I will be doing a couple of these headlining shows. So the first one is next Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Fat Black Pussycat. Tickets are only $10, only $10. The seats are very comfortable. It's a lounge. They have like nice, like vintage couches. I mean, like vintage style. Like, I don't think they're super old. Like, I don't want you to think you're going to come there and get bed bugs or like moth bites. But, you know, it's a very cozy, very sexy, very red velvety, very rich red carpeted space. And I'm going to be doing my hour. So come out, hang out, chill out, say hello. Um, if you come to a show and you like know me from my podcast, like come up, like come up to me. Like if you see me talking to somebody, just come up to me and say, Hey, I listen to podcasts because I really want to engage with people and I want to like thank you in person. And a lot of times people hit me after like, Oh, I came to the show and so forth. And I'm like, why didn't you come say hi? I'm very friendly. So come say hi. Um, couple of months ago, like a long time ago, it's actually, I hate to, I mean, it's social misfits. So I shouldn't feel bad referring you guys to my social media, but, um, I made this story and I made it a moment and you can go look at it when I was high as a kite, but I had this revelation that the best way to give black people in America reparations is to give them the patent to chicken. Yes. If you gave black people the patent of chicken, meaning that we were the only ones allowed to like farm, grow it, grow it like it's a weed to, to, to farm chicken and kill. And then, you know, if you made us the, the source, if we got, if we got a tax on every piece of fried chicken or baked chicken that was sold, no, 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 just make it fried. Like y'all can keep baked chicken. Y'all can keep curry chicken. What well, curry is Western here. Okay. Okay. Boom. West Indian Americans or West Indian lineage Americans can keep the trademark to beef patties and curry chicken, which means every piece of that that's sold in the country, they get a percentage of, or if not the majority, or if they're like the only people who can distribute it. Right. Because I don't care what anybody says. I don't know what Italian dude met a West Indian girl and went back to his dad's pizzeria and was like, Pop, we got to start putting mozzarella cheese on Jamaican beef patties. Because you know that's who that was. You ain't no beef patty in Italy. I've been to Italy to several cities and not in near one pizzeria is there a beef patty. And you know they next to Tuscany. You know they got good beef out there. They got free range, big old, big old bulls. And ain't nowhere in Italy is there a beef patty. It wasn't until like 1970-something, one Italian kid who was like, yo, I like black girls, met some chick named Sheila who just came here from the islands, who lived in Flatbush, because Flatbush used to be a white neighborhood. And they was hooking up after school on a Lolo. And she came with a beef patty. And he was like, what's that? And she was like, oh, it's a beef patty. This is like, you know, everyday eats where I come from. And he was like, wow, that's crazy. You know what? I got to co-op this real quick because that's what we do. So, you know, Christopher Columbus said he discovered America. I'm going to say I discovered beef patty with some mozzarella cheese on it. And that's the end of that. So anyway, if black people, African-Americans had the patent to and all the royalties of fried chicken in America that would be our reparations. 
That's a good plan, right? Especially now when you look at everybody going crazy off of these fried chicken, biscuit, chicken cheddar, chicken burger bun sandwiches all over the place. I've never had, did I have a, I think I've had chicken filet. I had, I've had chick fil two times in my life. The first time I was on the road and I was like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. Cause everybody was like, chicken, ch- Chick-fil-A is the best. So I was like, listen to my hand America, getting my American experience on. Fine. I will get Chick-fil-A. And it wasn't that, I wasn't that impressed. Wasn't that impressed. And I think I had another time like in the morning, but I didn't have chicken. I just had like hash browns and egg on a biscuit. So whatever, not impressed. But I guess now Popeye's came out with a spicy chicken sandwich. And then Wendy's got this spicy nuggets that everybody loves. And Black Twitter is getting cardiac arrest over these chicken sandwiches. And of course, because Black Twitter talks about stuff, then white or mainstream publications pick it up and then they rehash it. And then the masses gets it. And then now everybody going to be buying these chicken sandwiches off of the taste buds of my people. Now, what if all those people that was buying it was actually contributing to the rehabilitation of the African-American community? So I think my plan for 2020 is that black folks in their diaspora own the royalties to chicken, fried chicken, fried chicken. I would just say fried chicken. Yeah, just fried chicken, meaning that only black folks can own, operate, and sell fried chicken in America. Boom. That's it. You can still have your farmers who, cause I don't want to take people's land, even though, you know, they owe us 40 acres, but I don't want to take people's land currently. Cause you know, that would be too abrupt of a, of a shock to the system. Cause you see what happens in like Africa when the president of whatever country was like, all of the white people who've been here, you need to leave and we're taking your land. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to shock the system, but if, yeah, if only black folks, that's a smart plan, y'all. That's a smart plan, but you gotta, but you gotta work it too. I think, I think that should be the, also, is that not like you just own the royalties. Like, I think, I think every black family should have one like crown fried chicken or like a KFC. Like every family should be, (laughs) every, instead of 40 acres and a mule, you'll get, You'll get um four acres in a chicken in a chicken business. And that chicken business doesn't have to be on your four acres though. Like your four acres should be like where you live. And then you have like another plot of land. I know I sound crazy, but I think it'll be it will be fun. If it was like an alternate universe, I think it would be fun. It's a fun it's a fun idea. It's fun. And I, and I know it would generate a lot of money. Because you know, as much as racist could be racist. They ain't giving up chicken. They ain't gonna never give up chicken. All right, guys. That's me. Enough with my ramble. We talked about Jay-Z. We talked about chicken. I know there's so many other things that we can talk about. Like, when did Jadena become a whole snack hostess cake? Emphasis on hoe. Uh, no, he's handsome. He definitely filled out. He was. He, he definitely went back to Nigeria and got him some fufu. And, and some other stuff because he is he's thickened up he got a nice man body before he was all extra lean like his anglo was showing but that nigerian came through like you know how you get old and all of a sudden you look at yourself in the mirror you be like oh where did that part of me come from like i've been looking at pieces of myself and i'm like oh where them hips where them hips in that butt come from oh 
I saw a picture of myself. Somebody sent me on stage, and I was like, oh, that's just a shadow. Mm-mm, that was my ass. My ass is out there. I might post it in all my Instagram stories for like half a day. But I'm surprised by my wagon back there every once in a while. I don't really wear fitted clothes like that. It's, my, it's not my thing, but, you know, it's, it's not my zhuzh, as they say. And when I do happen to wear a shirt that's kind of low cut and my boobs, like my, not my boobs are out, but like my cleavage is showing, people don't know how to act. So I got to cover up because, you know, I just can't do with all that. It's not, it's not my, it's not my favorite thing to do. Like people are doing the DMX challenge to, um, what you really want from, uh, and he, he names all the girls. It was Keisha and Tisha, Latanda and Shanda, whatever. And so there's like videos of girls just like showing videos of themselves. And I realized I don't take selfies of myself and I definitely don't take selfie video of myself just silently moving and rearranging my head and all. I don't do all of that. So in conclusion, this was fun. It, it feels good to, to vent and talk. If you have anything you want me to talk about, you know, the goal is getting this back to weekly. So hit me up in the comments, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up in the DMs. Thank you to someone who pointed out something. And I'm kind of making a conscious effort of it now because they made a good point, which is like, you know, when you get to a certain level of fame, they like to pull stuff back and be like, you said this and you meant this and blah, blah, blah. And I understand the like, context, even though I mean what I say about Jay-Z. So if they ask me about Jay-Z in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I'm going to have that same energy unless he donates all of his money to charity. Um, like early on in like an episode, like three, four, this was like post when Trump won office. So I was very shell shocked to my core and, and, you know, asking myself is humanity. And I made a comment about white people, which was like a, which was definitely a generalization. And so they were like, you should like be mindful of that. And I was like, yes, I should be mindful of that because I tweeted something about the 1619 project, uh, the New York times thing that came out this weekend. And somebody was like, I don't like what you said. You said something about white people. And I was like, no, I said, dear America, never forget who raised you signed black people. And they were like, what? I was like, it's too deep to get into. That's a whole other conversation. I'll talk about that next time. I'll talk about how I genuinely believe that a lot of white people in America don't know American history. So they think we're crazy when we say the things that we say about the treatment of people, the others, they don't. I really don't think they know either they're blissfully ignorant or they just been lied to. So we'll be finding that out soon because now people are going to have to stand up and explain what they believe because I think there's an intellectual awakening that's happening in America. So it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple months and years. Oh, I watched a shitty movie called um, Alita. Don't watch that movie. It's terrible. I saw that on the plane coming back home and it was about this like future world that's being controlled by this mastermind race of people who live in the sky and everybody down here is like either super poor or poor made up of robot pieces and it wasn't that good. So that's my, my movie tip of the week. I'm going to check out Six Tuplets because I heard it was funny with Marlon Wayans. And, you know, sometimes you just want something silly and goofy. And that leads me to another point really quickly that I wanted to bring up, which is as a comedian, I tend to find myself being very judgmental of what other people find funny. Like, oh, it's not funny. And I decided that I'm no longer going to do that. 
Like I saw somebody posted on Twitter, like I don't yuck somebody's yum, which is like if some somebody enjoys something, it's not my business, it's not my right, it's not nice to be like, why do you like that thing? I'm not gonna do that anymore. So if somebody thinks something is really funny, I'm like, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I am. I'm glad that you found something that made you happy. And now I have to wrap up this podcast because somebody let their dog out who barks in the backyard all the time. So he's a hater. Um, so yeah, so don't yuck somebody's yum. And if somebody enjoys something, it's not your role and responsibility to kill their joy. It's just not a nice thing. And we have very few things that bring us joy, even though we have everything. We have more than any other civilization has ever had at our disposal. And we're still very unhappy people and with heavily medicated, with psychotropic drugs and the suicide rates. So if somebody likes some little thing that you don't like, just say, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And hopefully I'm glad you enjoyed this podcast and you can watch me and see how crazy I look in my house because, you know, it is what it is. But thank you for watching and or listening. I should say thank you for listening and or watching. Always remember where you come from. Again, my one woman show is not a one woman show. I'm just saying it's like me headlining. So I'm going to do an hour of material. So my headlining show next week is Thursday, the 27th at Fat Black Pussycat. Google is your friend. 7 p.m. tickets are $10. If not, I'll have some more show dates that I can share with you and we'll go from there. So thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.